Thank you guys. I'm good morning. One more time. Help me out here. Get, give me a little something here. All right. You don't know how much energy you give me. Good morning. Oh man, that helps. This is this is a tough lesson that we're going to do today. Uh, I just I just want to say I want to invite you to come Thursday morning to the prayer breakfast. I'm going to go, and I haven't even talked to my wife and my kids. I don't know if they're going or not, but I'd like to invite you to go. And if you want to go, you need to talk with Barbara about getting a ticket in the office. Barbara, can they get those right after church today? Okay, so you can check with Barbara right after church and get those. Man, Cody, thank you. Thanks. I wasn't going to do this, but when Cody started talking about that, I'm just going to ask you, before we start to look into the Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a minute and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you a question. I want to ask you today, I'm asking you to give privacy to the people around you by keeping your eyes closed, but I'm going to ask you today, if you're a person here today who needs to forgive someone and you really want to, but you don't know how, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand right now and just keep your hand up for just a minute. Okay. This sermon, this sermon today is going to be for you and the rest of you guys can leave when we get done here in just a minute uh, because it's not going to be for you. It's only going to be for those people that have their hands up today. God, I thank you for these people who have the, the humility to confess what's going on inside of their heart. I confess with them, God. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us today. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, I've told you some of these things before that uh, I, I, like to, I, I like to come up with some ideas to preach some sermons and I think, well, this will be neat. We'll do a neat series of lessons. We'll learn some facts about the Bible. We'll learn, we'll learn some, some things about uh, what God says. And then God seems to just kind of smile and say to me, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to get right in the middle of your life, John. We're going to stop driving around in your neighborhood, and we're going to pull up right in your driveway. We're going to push the garage door opener. We're going to come right inside. We're going to open up the refrigerator. We're going to take a drink and sit down in your living room because, John, we're going to get right inside your life because I've, I've had to be dealing with this, forgiving people. We're in this series called 70 Times... Seven. Seventy times seven. This is the third lesson. We, we've started out a couple of weeks ago, and if you didn't get to listen to those two lessons, or if you're still struggling, you've been, your heart's been moved a little bit, maybe like what Cody said, I would even encourage you to go back to our website and listen to these lessons again. Continue reading this verse that's right up here on the screen, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and, 20, or 21 and following. I would encourage you to just... Let God keep working on this part. We're about to be done with the lessons, but let's not let the lessons be done with us. Now, just a quick review. What we talked about the first week was that some of us need to forgive God. And some of us need to forgive ourselves. And then last week we, we, we said, let's just stand back and let's take a look at the mountain of moral 
mistakes. Let's take a look at the mountain of sins that each of us. Let's take a look at the mountain of debts that we have charged up on our account to the Lord. And then let's take a look at the king. Let's take a look at the gracious, account-settling king who cancels your debt. And that's what we've done so far. And I would say those are the most important things. I would say the things that Cody said today are the very most important things. If we get a hold of those and then we just walk forward, God and his Holy Spirit are going to help us figure this out. I'm not the expert. I'm a fellow traveler with you. I'm a guy walking on the same road you're on. But I do today feel like it is important for us to say, here are some ways we can forgive. How do we forgive others that we just, to us, they're just a pile of dirt in our eyes? And I'm going to give you a bunch of suggestions today about how to forgive. But I'm going to tell you this. None of it will work unless you get this one word right. And that's the word right there. It's a short word, but it's a big word. The 1985 Chicago Bears are uh, often listed among some of the best NFL teams that ever played. And there was one player, his name was John Cassius, and he wrote this story down. He was one of the inspirational leaders of the team. He's famous for giving some short pep talks and, uh, on game day and that kind of thing. And, and he writes about one day when he wasn't giving the talk, a different person was. He tells the story about Mike Ditka. You remember the, the coach of the Bears. And he was giving the locker room talk that day. And just before he started, he looked across the locker room at this guy right here. Do you remember this guy right here? William Perry. We called him? The refrigerator, 338 pounds of muscle and get out of my way. I'm taking this football into the, into the end zone guy. He's just, he was huge. And Ditka looks across and he looks at William Perry and he says, when I finish, I want you to lead the team in the Lord's Prayer. And then he goes on and begins to make his speech. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the room, uh, Jim McMahon, you remember him? He's kind of that brash, outspoken, rude quarterback for the Bears. Jim McMahon was watching Refrigerator Perry, and he nudged John Cassius, and he said, he said to him, Perry doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And sure enough, as he began to watch, he saw some panic on his face, but he whispered back, to Jim, John said to him, he said, everyone knows the Lord's Prayer, don't they? And after several minutes of watching Perry sweat and sweat, McMahon leaned back over to Cassius and he said, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you 50 bucks he doesn't know it. And as Cassius writes the story, he stopped to reflect on the absurdity of, of it all, that they're sitting in chapel betting 50 bucks on the Lord's Prayer. You know, he said, that's probably not a great idea. Well, Ditka finishes the pep talk, and he asks everyone to remove their caps, and he looks at Refrigerator Perry, and he nods. And everybody bows their head. And it was quiet for some awkward seconds until finally, William Refrigerator Perry spoke up in a shaky voice. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. 
<laughs> and Cassius, he felt a tap on his shoulder, and Jim McMahon said, who would have thunk it? Here's 50 bucks. I guess he does know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> oh. Well, just to make sure today that none of us would lose that bet or, or, or be a part of that bet, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask us to say the Lord's Prayer together. Stand and join me, would you? Say it with conviction, with all your heart. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Be seated, please. We're going to have a Bible study today for a few minutes from Ephesians, the scripture that uh, was read to us this morning. We're going to have a, a Bible study, and we could spend weeks on those 10 verses, but I'm going to move through them really quickly, and then I'm going to move to some application at the end. I'm going to try to give us some ways, how do we forgive? So here they are, Ephesians chapter 4, and here's the deal. Paul is saying, well, let's just read this real quick. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is going to address some behavior in just a moment, but he goes first to the inside. He starts first with the attitudes, with our thinking, with our desires. And i got to tell you this, Christianity is not interested in morality for morality's sake. Christianity is not interested in just making a bunch of really good people. Other religions do that. Go join, become a Buddhist or a Hindu or, or, or become a Jew. Become one of those other religions and they'll teach you how to be a really good person and treat other people really well. That's not the main thing that Christianity is about. Christianity is mostly interested not on the outward actions but on the inward heart. And that's what I would ask those of you who rose your, your hand today. You raised your hand. There may be some of you who didn't raise your hand because you were so angry you couldn't raise your hand because you don't want to forgive. And i got to tell you this, God's most interested in your heart today. That's what he's interested in. Paul wants to remind us of this. The emphasis is on this. You are a new creation. Put away the old. That's the old way. That's who you used to be. And put on the new. The new self the new mind, the new desires, and actions will flow from there. Just to say to somebody, oh, you're having a hard time forgiving? Come on, try harder. Grit your teeth. You can do it. No, you can't. You cannot do it. The law proved that. The Old Testament proved you can not do it. But you can become a new creation. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. You can become something totally different. And then from the inside out, you can begin to see the Holy Spirit change things in your life so that your actions do change. This phrase right here where he says to be made new, in the Greek original language that it's written in, it's a continuing action. That is, 
It's saying you were made new and you are being made new today and you will be made new. That's what that actually means. And so I want to encourage you today not to get discouraged if you are struggling with forgiving someone because God's not finished with you yet. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You remember who you are. That's our job. Remember who we are. He says, therefore, must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Satan is the father of lies, and when we lie, we're speaking his language. Jesus says, I'm the truth, so when we tell the truth, we're speaking his language. And you are a new person, so you get a new language. And I just simply want to say this, when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to being angry, when it comes to being upset and judgmental, the truth is an important part of this process. Speaking the truth to yourself. Admitting, I am angry. I hate this person. I wish that person would die. Being truthful with God. Crying out to, that, to, to God and letting him know all that's going on inside of you. Being honest with the person that's hurt you. Being honest with the person that you've hurt. If you don't speak the language of truth, forgiveness isn't going to happen. And then he says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul is not telling Christians, don't get angry. He's not saying that to them. He's not saying that to us. He's not. At the very least, he's leaving room for the reality that everybody's going to get angry at some circumstances in life. It would be ridiculous and unhealthy for us to think otherwise, and many Christians do think otherwise. Many Christians, and some of you are sitting right here today, you think I have two things I can do with my anger. I can either blow up or I can clam up. Those are my only two choices. I don't have any other choices. I can either spew it all over somebody or I can stuff it way down inside. And we're going to talk about in a few minutes what happens when we think we're doing the Christian thing and we stuff it down in there and we just say, I'll just swallow it and I'll just not worry about it. More likely, Paul is saying this. He's commanding us to be angry. Clark read from a different version of the Bible this morning. And that's what it says, be angry. And that's what this is, it's a command. If you can see certain injustices in the world, if you can hear about certain tragedies in Darfur or in Syria or right down across the border in Mexico, or you can see children in your neighborhood who are abandoned, or you could see uh, people who, who uh, hurt other people around you, and all those tragedies and horrible things, if you can see those and you don't get angry, Paul is saying there's something very wrong with you inside, at the core. He's not trying to say, I want to correct your actions here. He's saying down in the core of who you are. That's not who you are. In the core, way down here deep, let me tell you who you are. You're a person who gets angry about that kind of thing. Do you know why? Because Jesus got angry and because God gets angry about those things. Martin Luther King Jr., was a, was a proponent of nonviolence and also of change, of course. And one of his principles, one of his main principles that applies to us today anyways is this. He said, when we are angry, as we should be, we should attack the issue 
or the problem and not the person. See, that's kind of what Paul's saying. He's saying in your anger. You should be angry. And this anger should give you lots of energy. And it should give you lots of stuff inside that makes you just get ready to go and do something. And then you should take that and you should do something creative. You should do something right. You should do something good. He also says in the scripture, don't let the sun go down. Is that literal? I mean, is he literally like saying, don't go to bed angry? Well, probably so. Probably is saying that. How many of you have ever gone to bed angry? All the married people can raise their hand. All right, good. Okay, so it's, you know, there's some truth in that, that if possible, if we can work things out before we go to sleep, that's a good thing. We should do that. We should aim for that. But let me tell you, it's not only literal, it's also figurative. Have you ever seen a couple who they've been married a really long time, but they haven't worked hard to forgive one another? They were hurt, they were disappointed, they were offended, and they just kept stuffing it all down. And they kept sweeping it all under the carpet. And something happened one day. The sun went down in their relationship. The light was gone. And they find themselves in the dark. Now, I want you to hear this clearly. If that's you today, this is not a hopeless situation. Because God is still the powerful God who can bring light into darkness if you will let him. It probably will take a lot more energy now if you're at that point in your life than it would have if you'd kept a really short list and not let the sun go down on your anger. But God can still heal. He can still fix. He can still save relationships. Then he says this. He says, he who's been stealing, says don't do that anymore. Use your hands. Have something to share. Now, of course, this is another example of what you used to be. If you could get away from, you know, in your old life, if you could steal something and get away with it, good, go for it, you know. That's their, that's their fault. That's their problem. But the new creation doesn't do that. The new person from the inside is glad to work. And then from the inside is glad to share with other people around us. And as we apply this to forgiveness, I might just say this. Some of you have been holding something over that person's head. You've been stealing that person. That person hurt you, and you've now been stealing their peace and their joy, haven't you? And you know you're doing it. You've been stealing it from them. With your silence, or with your, with, with your cold shoulder, or with your unwillingness to make amends. And Paul's saying, stop doing that. And do the hard work of forgiving. It's hard work. And if you'll do that work of forgiving, you'll have something to share with that person. You know what you'll have to share that they need? Forgiveness, because they need to be forgiven. Then he says, he talks about our mouths. And he says, don't let all this trash come out of your mouth. Only what helps other people. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Much sin comes from our mouth when we're angry. We need to slow down. We need to think about what will benefit the people around us. And it's not even necessarily maybe, uh, you know, we're talking about the offender, the person who's hurt you. What about your family at dinner? What about your coworkers? What about all of us that are in church together and we're trying to encourage one another? And yet, 
Sometimes we can just spew this stuff on all the people around us and we're discouraging them. We're not giving them what they need. God says this kind of response, it, it doesn't just bother him. It doesn't just distress him. It doesn't even just hurt him. It grieves God when we do this. And then he says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. The key here is bitterness, because bitterness is something that goes down way deep. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about deep, we're talking about deep inside of us. Not just the actions on the outside, deep, way down in my heart. And bitterness goes way down deep. Look at what Hebrews 12 says. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many, not just bothering you, but all the people around you. When I was growing up in uh, Oklahoma, we had a yard. My dad tried to do a lot of landscaping. We try, you know, we try to keep things looking nice, and and uh, he loved that, and I hated it, you know. And and he, I was kind of his slave, you know. I was a teenager, and I had to work all, you know, all day long is what it felt like. He probably only had me work thirty minutes. Felt like four years, you know, or whatever. So, anyways, so my dad's going along, and he's got all this stuff going. Well, dandelions start coming up in our yard. Dandelions are coming up, and they would tell us kids, get out there and get those dandelions. Well, you know what we do. We'd run out there and we'd pop off the yellow flowers or we'd get those, yeah, we'd blow those things. What does that do? You know, that just makes a bigger mess. Or we'd just pop off the yellow flowers, bring them in, and dad's like, uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's got a deep root that goes way down. And if you don't get the root out, our whole yard is going to be covered in dandelions. Oh, come on, dad, you can't prove that. You know, he's like, well, I'm going to make you do it anyway. So he got us this little shovel. How many of you ever used a dandelion? I don't know what they're called, a dandelion shovel. How many of you? Raise your hand if you, if you use one. Okay, a bunch of you know. It's this long thing, and it's got this little fork, and you stick it way down under there, and then you start to pry that thing up, and that root is long on a dandelion. It goes way down deep. Well, let me tell you this. The way to get rid of the root of bitterness is to use a shovel of forgiveness and to dig way down deep. If you don't do that, if you leave those roots there, I want you to see the progression that happens. The progression of bitterness from this scripture is right here. First, we feel rage. That word, the little word, means this white boiling hot inside of me. Like when I see the person, my gut twists. Mm. I just can't hardly look at them. I can't sit down at the same table. I got to go somewhere else to another room. I got to, you know, get up and leave the building. Causes ulcers and heart attacks and all kinds of other physical problems. Most of all of us know what this feels like, this inside. And if we don't deal with that, if we don't dig down deep with the shovel of forgiveness, then it leads next to anger. And this begins to move to the outside now. And we may not even say anything about the person, but people can tell. People begin to, they can just see it on us. And they're like, something's wrong with John. He just blew up about nothing the other day. What's his problem? Well, it's because there's bitterness down inside that John's not dealing with. And so it's moving to anger. And after that, it moves to brawling. Now the gloves are off. You hurt me? Let me tell you something. You're about to get hurt, all right? I'm sick of it. I've had enough. Heard an eye for an eye. Let's talk about, let's talk about a, a face for an eye. How about that, okay? I mean, the gloves are off, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to hurt you now. Still don't deal with it. It moves to slander. Now everything's public. 
and we really don't care. I don't care who knows about it. Fine, let everybody know about it. Here it is. And with Facebook these days, you get these long diatribes where people are just spewing and blowing all their stuff out there, all their junk out there. You know what's happened? Because they have not dealt with bitterness. They have not tried to forgive. They've not given this to the Lord, and it has led all the way to slander. And finally, if we don't deal with it, it'll lead to malice. Someone said that malice is when a person gets to the point where they decide this is a lose-lose situation, and I don't care anymore. I'm going to lose, and they're going to lose, and this is when we begin to gossip And this is when we begin to intimidate and vandalize and sue people and commit adultery and beat people up and kill people. And Paul is saying, you don't want to go down that road. But he doesn't say, so just don't go down that road. Thou shalt not be bitter. Thou shalt not have rage. No, that's the old law. That didn't work. He says, instead of that, you're a new creation. So we need to Get rid of the old, that's right, and we're going to replace that with the new, a new creation, a person who's been forgiven and following Christ. We're going to replace it with kindness and compassion and forgiveness. Well, that's good, John. Now, still, how in the world are we going to do that? And we're going to rush through the end of this lesson with three applications, three situations. Now, the application that we're going to talk about and this whole topic is way, way, way too big, all right? It's too big for not just a, a three weeks. It's too big maybe for a lifetime. And maybe that's what it takes. You're not going to get all of this that I'm going to say. I don't even get all of this that I'm going to say. All right? But if you get one thing today, if you're one of those people that you humbled yourself and raised your hand, or you're one of those people who thought, I wish I could raise my hand, but I hate them so much I can't raise my hand. If that's you, if you get one thing today or two things, good. That's great. Start walking on that road, whatever you get today. Because we're going to look at the application of how. How can I forgive when it hurts so much? There's all kinds of ways to break this down, and here's how I'm going to break it down. I'm going to break it down into three different kinds of people or three groups of people that we have to try to forgive. Three kinds of people we got to forgive. The first one are our loved ones. It's your spouse. It's your parents. It's your children. It's your Blood, brothers and sisters, it's your friends, your co-workers, it's your Christian family that you come together with every week. It's the people you live around day after day, and the people you live around week after week, and you're always there, and yet they have done something to hurt you. They humiliated you. They slighted you. They lied about you. They made fun of something about you that... You're very sensitive about it, and you know that they knew it. They stole something from you. They broke their promise. And a thousand other things. You fill in the blank. You know what they did. I'm going to tell you today, what is forgiveness with those people? Forgiveness, first of all, is to stop making them pay for what they did. It's what Cody talked about this morning. Stop making them pay For what they did. Because some of you are making that person pay. They hurt you. And you're holding on to it. And you know they need this. And you know you could give it to them. But you're not going to give it to them. Because you're going to make them pay. You owe. You pay. 
Remember that from last week? Some of you are living in that. You know that your parents, that they need a phone call from you. Though you teenagers, you know your parents need a hug or they need to hear you say, I love you. But you are punishing them. They hurt your feelings and you will not give them what they need. You are, you're going to make them pay. Whatever the situation is, I believe you get the point. And you may be saying, but they don't deserve it. Well, no kidding. If they did deserve it, we wouldn't be talking about forgiveness. That's the whole point. Of course they don't deserve it. And neither do you, and neither do I. But there are those that we so badly want to say, you owe me and you will pay for this. You may be saying, but they didn't ask me for forgiveness. And so if they didn't ask, I don't have to forgive them, okay? When they ask, I'll think about it then. But they haven't come and asked, so it's not my responsibility, okay? Now, let me tell you, I think that's a pretty safe, neat, good way, clean way, clean living, good person, good citizen in the community, person, way to live. That's great. But that is unbiblical and ungodly. That is not what the Bible teaches. Some of you are saying, well, wait a second. I thought God said he would only forgive us if we came and asked for forgiveness. So I'm doing the same thing God did. Really, is that what you're doing? Did you ask Jesus to forgive you before he went to the cross to pay for your sin? Did you? See, God, God put it into action he had a willingness and he put it into action to pay for your sin before you ever asked. So don't pull that. They haven't asked me yet, so I don't have to give it. At least don't blame God for it if that's the way you're going to live. Maybe you say, yeah, but here's the deal. I want them, I mean, I would forgive them, but I want them to know that I'm right. Okay? That's the only deal. I just want to make sure they know I'm right. Once they admit that, then I'll forgive them. Okay? Then we'll be okay. I have a friend who goes to church here, and when he's around men, and men sometimes will talk about these things, how, man, my wife is upset, or she thinks about this or that, and she thinks that, uh, you know, she, she's wrong, and I, I just want her to know that I'm right about this. And so this friend of mine that goes to church here, he's fond of saying, oh, oh, did you want to be right, or did you want to be married? <laughs> it's pretty good. Now, I don't think the guy would mind me telling you who he is, but I think I'd rather not tell you because I'd like to just leave it out there for all the wives to wonder, was that my husband who said that? He's kind of a friend with John, you know? And so then if your wife asks you, were you the one who said that? Did you say, you know, and then you say, well, no, honey, I would never say that. And, and when she says, well, you better not because I'm not, you know, and you, then you say, you're right. That's right. You're right. Okay. That's how you handle that today. And that'll be fun to find out some more about that. Here's the deal. Forgiveness is giving them what you receive from God. You owe, you owe me, but I'll pay. That's what God gave you. Now, I want to say this. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Some people say, yeah, but God forgot. In Jeremiah, he said, I'll remove your sins. I'll remember them no more. But he doesn't have amnesia. He didn't completely forget. He chooses to treat us as if this never happened. I love these three suggestions that Jim Lindenberger shared in a class here about forgiveness recently. Three things to help us treat someone as if they didn't do this to us or, 
or to forget, although we'll never actually forget. Number one, never bring the situation up to that person again. Once it's dealt with, that's it. You don't bring it up again. That's a choice of your will. That's not that you have amnesia. That's a choice of your will to say, I won't bring this up again. Number two, you don't talk to anybody else about your hurt. Even though it's tempting to do, and I could get a little pity from somebody, man, that feels good, and I could tell somebody how rotten this person was. Nope. If you're going to forget, if you're going to treat somebody like God does, then you're not going to bring it up again, not to them, and you're not going to talk about it to other people. And thirdly, you're going to refuse to allow your mind to dwell on it. See, I don't think we can forget, but there's a big difference in remembering something and dwelling on something. And so you're going to pray that God would help you to have better thoughts, to move on to things that are good. But what will it look like today if you forgive these people that we're talking about? Here's some pictures. For some of you, it might mean that you need to write a letter. You might need to go home today, and you might need to write a letter to somebody. And if you do that today, I want to tell you, it doesn't mean that forgiveness will be over and done. It means that you'll be getting on the road of forgiveness. For some of you, you may need to make a phone call. And some of you know who you are. That person's been waiting for a phone call, and you need to call that person today. For some of you, it's a hug. That person in your family has been waiting and longing for that and you have refused because you're going to make them pay? And some of you, and you know who you are, and I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. You need to do this today. For some of you, it's just a cup of coffee. It's calling up that person and saying, hey, can I meet you for a cup of coffee? I guess if you want to have tea or something dumb like that, go ahead, but I think you ought to have coffee. I'll tell you, there's another cup, and it's the cup we just drank a few minutes ago that Cody talked to us about, and every week, It ought to be a reminder not only of us being forgiven, but it ought to be a reminder of what we're talking about today. Jesus died for that person too. For some of you, it may mean you need to do the dishes. You've just been like, you know what? She hurt my feelings and I'm not, no way, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I know what she wants or needs and I won't do it. I'll not, I won't do it, no way. Some of you need to go home today and do the dishes or something similar. For some of you couples in here, even though you don't feel it, and even though you feel like maybe your marriage has died, you know what some of you need to do? This is what forgiveness looks like. It looks like you preparing a romantic dinner. And it might might be (laughs) really awkward, and there might be a lot of tension, and there might be a lot of anger, but I'm telling you this, that may be exactly what forgiveness looks like, starting from your side. And for some of us in this room, it may simply be walking across the room today because there may be some of you in here who the person you're thinking about is in this room. It's not a part of your family, but it's a person in this room. And all it may take, at least to get on the road of forgiveness, is going across the room today and just reaching your hand out and shaking that person's hand. You notice something about these people and these situations that they have in common? All those situations were in the past. I said they hurt you. They did something to you, and you can't forget it, and you're trying, to, you're trying to forgive. And it happened in the past, and maybe it's happened over and over in the past, but it's in the past. It's something that happened before. What about the second group, and that's people who continue to hurt you? People who continue to hurt you. 
And that could be a spouse, or that could be a coworker, or that could be someone in our Christian family. And I want to tell you this, forgiveness is a road that you walk on. It's a road you get on and then you stay on. Jesus said, you got to forgive 70 times 7. What's he talking about? That you may get knocked off this road 490 times. And you just keep getting back up on the road. And you give them something they don't deserve. It's the decision. Forgiveness will be the decision inside your heart that says, if they never change, I will not seek revenge anymore. I'm not going to lower myself down to that level that Cody talked about today. I'm going to let go of revenge. I stop. No more. That's it. I'm done with that. Forgiveness for you, if you can't do those things, may just simply be praying and asking God to give you a new heart. It may be simply saying to God, I want to pray for this person. I've been there in my life with people that I couldn't talk to at all. I couldn't look at, but I could get on my knees and I could say a prayer for that person and not a prayer like, you remember that song that came out recently? You know, I pray that they'll, the airplane will crash and something will fall on their head and, you know, their brakes will go out in their car. Not that kind of prayer. No, not that kind of prayer. A prayer that says, God, I can't stand this person, but I'm asking you to bless this person. God, I am angry at this person, but I'm asking you, please, would you, would you help their family? Would you help them to be successful? That is a hard prayer to pray. But you can tell if you're on the road to forgiveness by when you hear maybe something. Somebody says about that person that you've been angry with. Oh, did you hear they were in a car wreck? And if you're like, oh, they were? Or, or were they in the hospital? I mean, if that's what's inside of you or maybe on your face a little bit, you're not on the road. You've fallen off the road. Get back up on the road, okay? If you hear bad news about something that happened in their life and you pop open a bottle of champagne, you're not on the road, now, you can still get on the road. You can. And I've experienced this in my life when I haven't been on the road, but I got on the road. I want you to know this. I said this once before. Forgiveness is not reconciling. Forgiveness is a one-player game. Reconciling is a two-player game. And reconciliation takes a change of actions from that other person. You don't just go right back to the same thing when you forgive. Forgiveness is not also, it's also not allowing a person full access to your heart or your life. It may be anyways. It is drawing some boundaries. And it's saying, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm still here. But you know what? I got some boundaries in my life. And there's some things you're not allowed to do. There's some things you're not allowed to hurt me in that way. Because trust is built slowly. And trust is lost quickly. And trust is rebuilt very slowly. So some boundaries are okay as you forgive. Last group of people. Last group of people. There are some of you who are here today, and I'm sorry, but there's somebody who did something unthinkable or unspeakable to you. They're a monster or they did something only a monster would do. And I'm talking about physical or sexual abuse or rape or abandonment or someone killed someone you love or they embezzled your whole life savings and they have rearranged your life. You can't even go out by yourself anymore. You don't even have anybody you can trust. You don't have any friends. You have chronic depression in your life. They have rearranged everything 
in your life. And it's unlikely that you'll ever reconcile with that person. It's unlikely that person's ever going to come and try to make amends and say, I'm sorry, or any, none of that probably is ever going to happen with those people. And here's what forgiveness is with those people. It's leaving justice and the wrath of God to handle that and not taking it in my own hands. Romans 12 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It's putting your enemy in God's hands. And here's the deal. If God wants to send his son to die and pay for that kind of evil, well, that's his choice. And, and it, he'll have to sort all that out in the end. I guess you could say in one way, it's sort of his problem. That's what forgiveness is. It's saying, God, that person is your problem, and it's letting go. I release it's more about you being free. I love this quote. Holding a grudge is letting someone rent, live rent-free in your head. And you don't want that person living rent-free in your head. It's being able to find joy again. It's stopping to drink the poison of unforgiveness and thinking you're going to hurt the other person. It's being able to trust people again. Forgiveness is really for you and not for them. This has become a popular saying forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that that person that was in prison was you. You were the person in prison. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like this. It's going to look like the chains that have held you came loose. But it can only happen with that one word we talked about. Cody asked me, how do we do this? And Cody already has it. He's already got how we do it. It's this word right here, as. This is how you forgive people. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's the only way. All these other ideas don't matter unless you get that. Walter Wink tells a story about a couple named Grossmeyer. They were peacekeeping missionaries who were sent to Poland right after World War II. And they asked the Poland Christians at the end of one of their meetings, would they be willing to meet with some Christians from Germany who wanted to ask for their forgiveness for all the things that Germany had done during the war? And to begin a new relationship, would they be willing to meet with them? And there was silence in the room. And one of the Polish Christians spoke up finally and said, what you ask is impossible. Every stone of Warsaw is soaked with Polish blood that they shed we can not forgive. And the Grossmeyers really did understand. They said, okay, we understand. We'll deliver the message. They went on and finished their meeting. And at the end of their meeting, they decided that they would finish with the Lord's Prayer. And they knelt down and they prayed as Christians have done all over the world for the last 2,000 years. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily breads. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And they all stopped. And they couldn't pray anymore. And there was silence. And the one who had said we can't forgive, with tears in his eyes, spoke up and said, I must say yes. Because if I don't forgive, then I can no longer say this prayer. I can no longer call myself a Christian if I don't forgive. And humanly speaking, it is impossible. I cannot do it, but with God's help, I 
can forgive. And 18 months later, the Polish Christians and the Christians from West Germany met in Vienna and they established a relationship that still lasts to this day. And I was just wondering today, I was just wondering right now, I was just wondering this moment, if there are marriages and friendships and families and church relationships that might be saved if we would just stop at the same point they did. And if we would remember, God said to us, you owe and I'll pay. And then if we would just be quiet and let God lead us to whatever step might be next to the person we need to forgive. And so I'm gonna ask you to join me one last time. This is how we're gonna finish our service today. Would you say this prayer with me? And when we get to the middle part of the prayer, would you just stop and would you be quiet and let me lead us in a prayer? Say it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, thank you for forgiving us who didn't deserve it. Lord, right now, would you in our hearts and in our minds by the power of your spirit, would you tell us what step we need to take today God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you please give us the guts and the courage to follow through with what you have spoken. We need your help. This is hard, God, as if you didn't know. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The invitation today is that there are gonna be some shepherds and I'm gonna ask their wives to come with them today. Please, I'm asking you, Barbara and Nell and uh, who else is here? Jackie and um, I'm not sure who I'm missing, but those of you wives that are here, would you please go with your husbands today? There may be some women that would like to pray with you today about this difficult subject. If you need help, there's gonna be people here who will pray for you so that you can Continue on the road of forgiveness. And I gotta tell you this, if there's some of you who have never accepted God's offer, here's his offer. You owe a debt, but he says to you, I'll pay it. You've never accepted it. I'm begging you in the name of Jesus to accept it today. And if you do that and you'll come and tell us that you've asked him to save you, you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, we'll baptize you into Christ right here this morning and we'll rejoice with you. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. You come if you need to.